0: What's the default <laughs> advice we give? Just blackmail people. Yeah, yes, you know what? great Black idea.
1: Blackmail does come up a lot Love it. Yes. I love yeah. a bit
2: of blackmail. What does I love that alone? say
0: about us, guys? <laughs> Welcome to the Media Week podcast, the podcast made for media people by media people. Don't worry, we're not your CEOs just yet. We're your common media folk in the weeds of the day-to-day. Each episode, we'll share opinions on hot topics in the media world, along with some bents to keep you going on a Friday afternoon. So who's in the room? It's me, your host, Harriet from Publicis, Jack from Craft.
1: Buenos tardes.
0: And Buki from Wavemaker. Heyo. In today's episode, I've been booted out of my role as the anchor by Buki. So what have you got for us, <laughs> Books? Am I even interested to hear? Probably not. <laughs>
2: so this is why I wasn't allowed to do an intro. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, should I do the intro? And she was like, no, I've already got something.
1: Yeah, I, I want to get stuck into it.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, in today's episode, we are getting into what's going on in the world of traditional media and do old dogs need new tricks? Why did you look at me when you said old dogs? You looked at me and
1: you looked at me and said old dogs. No
2: comments.
1: <laughs> I'm a young dog. Thank you very much.
2: So, in the audio world, live radio gets 69% of the share of listening time in nice. 2023 versus 14% of on-demand music on streaming and 6% for podcasts. Yes, very good. How much radio, if any, are you guys planning? And yeah. are we giving them the respect that they deserve?
1: I mean, how long have you got? I love radio. I literally can talk about this for so long. Right, so I'm going to stop' going and let Harriet contribute once
0: (laughs) well i mean forgive me for stating the obvious here but these days like live radio is even more accessible than perhaps it was before as a result of kind of smart speakers Mm. uh, online you know drive time still but whether or not we're actually giving radio the respect it deserves in the context of the broader kind of audio world perhaps not because i think across the industry if we think about this from a an awards perspective, for example, yeah. we would see a lot more recognition when it comes to, you know, cool podcast series and yeah. content as opposed to live radio. Yes. So in that context, I think perhaps not. But Jack, you tell me.
1: I mean, from my perspective, I have never had a radio campaign that's gone badly for a client. Like it always just delivers on brand metrics. And there's like a few reasons why it's, it's so good. The CPMs, are so low. Like it the, the cost effective reach is off the charts. You get broadcast scale at like a fraction of the cost. I mean, it's like you can build up frequency so quickly, and you obviously have to manage like irritation levels and stuff. But if you've got a few creatives for a campaign, you can build up that frequency and really influence people into taking action much like quicker than you would otherwise. I think in terms of like giving it the respect it deserves, it doesn't get the respect it deserves. But I think this is in part due to the fact that it's just not very sexy, is it? People always want to talk about what's new and shiny. And let's face it, the radio is, uh, what well, it was the wireless back it's, in the day. It's an old dog. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally, it's, it's like as traditional as you can get. But I think also there's this thing in, um, you know, you're never going to get a creative agency jumping up and down with excitement about making a radio ad. No. Like creative agencies will boot it to like a junior copywriter or, or creative to kind of cut their teeth on rather than being like the focal point.
0: But it's an old dog that needs to be utilised. And yes. further to your point, Buki, there's been a 10% increase in commercial radio listeners over the last five years, with total hours um, listened to growing by 19%, apparently. I'm already so, brought a bag
1: of stats with, with you. Stats.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, you
1: know okay. <laughs> I you know should what's... not
0: be the anchor more often. <laughs> yeah, you know, of the thing
1: this. is, you've got um, talent from the BBC that was really popular moving over. So, like, Hits Radio has, has got some, like, really, really strong talent from the Beeb. Um, which is pulling people over? I think also. Do you know it was funny when you're talking about the the awards thing? I was thinking, what's like great Radio Awards? And then I remembered like the Media Week Awards. You know, name drop us. Um, <laughs> I
0: think you're going to say the same one as me. The talks fought with Macmillan Cancer. No, I, no, it wasn't actually. Ah. But I
1: was going to. It's another charity one. It was the British Heart Foundation stopping the nation's biggest heart. Yeah, um, yeah. They simulated a heart attack by stopping the the ad mm. like quite jarringly, and obviously dead air time on radio is like a big no no. So.
2: Perfect. Sorry, sorry, I'm not anchoring very well. Sorry. Okay, in TV. <laughs> Another old dog. The recent ITV drama, The Post Office versus Mr. Bates, has been a clear success, and various leaders from in the media world are saying that it wouldn't have been such a hit without linear TV. Is this a fair statement? Or are people scrambling to keep linear TV relevant?
1: Sorry, the fact you said Mr. It's Mr. Bates versus the Post what Office. What did I say? <laughs> you said the post office versus Mr. Bates, and it was really jarring. <laughs> Um,
2: sorry, Mr. Bates versus Post Office. Yes,
1: yeah. Very, very important to say Mr. Bates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, that like, obviously it's been a really, really good month for Linear TV because you've had that and then on non-commercial telly, you've got the traitors, <laughs> yeah. which has gripped <laughs> you everyone. you
0: stolen my point, Jack.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, you pretend don't... I don't say that. No, go on, you go on, with Harry. it. No, no you go about, with tell me there. about tra- go,
0: on, go on, make your point. No, no, you, okay, okay, fine. Okay, well, first of all, I agree that It wouldn't be a success without Linear TV. And I know that Jack will have a a quite detailed point of view on this, but in the recent campaign article about it, there were various media bobs talking about you know what what they think but there were two specifically that really hit the nail on the head for me first of all somebody said and I'm not going to quote them because I can't remember who it was (laughs) um, but said that it really kind of created a water cooler moment that linear tv's ubiquity helps fuel and I wholeheartedly believe that and Jack made a very good point about the fact that that's also been proved by the traitors yeah Series that has actually, I think, become one of the biggest entertainment series in the last two years by the BBC.
1: The thing that, that makes it so successful is it's like it's got that kind of injustice at the core of it that really kind of gets people riled up. But it's the storytelling that surrounds it. And I think that you can't really underestimate the cultural clout that a good story will have if it's properly distributed. So I wrote a thing for Kraft looking at it and basically making the point that like, these things kind of sit within culture and and will be remembered because of the storytelling, but also crucially because they're properly distributed. So you've got the linear TV element, but there's still like millions and millions of views that happened retrospectively on ITVX, and that platform's obviously kind of you know improved over time. And you you know you can compare it to the thing that I compared it to was Saltburn because I that's
2: literally what I did as well. Oh
1: man, like because the, the Saltburn thing, it's like that's a great story, but. You look at what's happened to Murder on the Dance Floor. The streams have gone through the roof because of the scene at the end where he's dancing around mm-hmm. naked or whatever. And so it's actually like you know, it's it's had an effect on the real world.
2: So we like linear TV for that.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think you you've got to doff your cap to linear TV. You like TV linear on that. TV
2: for that? Absolutely. No new tricks. We're we're okay with how it goes.
1: Could it have done as well on Netflix? I think probably. Well, but I, it's, you know, Netflix yeah. is 8% of the country, whereas ITV, everyone's got it on their telly.
0: Well, I think someone else's point that I liked in the campaign article specifically was the fact that someone made the point that we've pitted linear TV versus streaming as if they're binary choices. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that obviously isn't the case and something that we've already touched upon in previous episodes about, you know, linear TV and, and streaming being complementary to each exactly. other.
2: Absolutely. And I think just to finish on that one, That's the reason why my initial thought was I didn't agree. I didn't think it needed linear TV to be a success because Mm. it's a successful story and I think it was going to be a success either way. It just did very well on Linear as well. Cool. Also in TV, Channel 4 has announced it will pivot to being a digital-first public service streamer. In doing so, there will be job cuts, downsizing the office and closing their smaller Linear TV channels. Do we think this is the right strategy?
1: I mean that you never want to hear about people getting laid off in media. That's that's not great for anyone. So obviously that sucks. I think they are clearly thinking long term, and there's good. I mean, given the how how quickly the landscape's changing, there's gonna ha- they will have to take hard decisions like that. But I think in the long run, that will help preserve them because, you know, that's that's the way people tend to consume the content now.
0: I certainly think it's the right strategy, um, and I believe it. It's at the right time. Two, I think it's.
1: How it loves firing people. You Sorry. always
0: make me sound about to, like such about to a me you know, this role. bitch businesswoman. You're not a
1: bitch businesswoman.
0: Um, but they obviously <laughs> want to be ahead of the curve. They want to target younger consumers. Uh, they want to diversify their revenue streams. And obviously, you know, quality streaming and that landscape has, has really evolved. So I yeah. think they, they're they doing this at, at the right time. In mm. fact, probably a bit too late. But I think they started <laughs> these conversations in 2020 anyway. So. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And then
2: in the magazine world, Sports Illustrated, the iconic American sports magazine, is in hot water. They are facing staff layoffs and are in the middle of a scandal around AI generated
0: articles. What do we think? Well, I think on this one, it, it raises a much larger question around the threat of authentic journalism and AI and, yeah. and the big tech fueled decline of journalism. But similarly to kind of Channel 4, I think print publishers need to understand you know, the changing media consumption habits of their audiences, and, and that will enable them to get ahead of the curve and, and not end up laying a load more people off. In the
2: way that Channel 4 are obviously yeah. already doing. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think there's, to that point about understanding the media consumption of the of the audiences that are still consuming them, it's really, really important. I think that it's quite interesting, like, because obviously they have an important role as, like, tastemakers, makers taking us outside of Sports Illustrated to like a lot of the other kind of Condé titles or what have you, they have a really important role in culture of kind of setting an agenda. And obviously that's kind of really under threat from influencers, like social media influencers is probably the kind of like for like people used to turn a lot more to, to mags and publishers, but I think you can by instead of trying to kill the kind of, you know, go up against the influencers and really kind of fight. It's like, well, how do you use that to your advantage? Because a lot of influencers will still respect the titles and they still have that kind of legacy clout, I think.
0: It's got
2: me thinking now, like, imagine if, like... Vogue or Condé Nast or GQ they brought out their own influences a bit almost like a sports team so then they'd have like (laughs) individual Power Rangers, you know they'd have all their different influences in different spaces but they're all under the Vogue umbrella, they're all under the GQ umbrella.
1: They kind of, essentially you're you're journalists but like a sort of a new, it's like content creators or whatever, it's kind of like what the likes of Lab Bible and Joe do They they are almost like digital magazines in a lot of ways It's weird. I feel like everyone always talks about mags as though they're like this kind of dead thing, but I think that really there's like a that it's just kind of evolved into another thing. People still have the need that this gets fulfilled by.
2: Mm, just not the paper ones. I actually was yeah. in WH Smith the other day and I was, there's a wall of magazines. I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw one. Why
0: on earth were you in WH Smith?
2: The post who office goes is in, in?
0: Oh. I was like, who on earth goes in unless it's the airport? <laughs> she, wanted,
1: she wanted a massive bottle of water and a chocolate a huge bar. huge
2: one. <laughs>
0: oh. Okay.
2: And then on the last part, the main part, We're going to end on out of home today. So the first thing I want to ask both of you is, has anyone recently planned out of home? What do you like about it? And what are the difficulties there?
1: I plan a lot of out of home, actually, and seems, I've planned it across a lot of do. different clients. I'd, I'd also probably say it's
2: my favourite media channel. Didn't you just say that about radio?
1: Oh, wait. My God.
0: Oh, um, This is my second favourite. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm sad, I'm sad enough that I actually have multiple favourite media channels. One anorak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, we move... No, it's OK, so it's one of my favourite channels because, like, it's got so much kind of licence for creativity. It's the oldest media channel as well, because, you know, I think back to um, my favourite ancient out of home, which is when you go to Pompeii, they have the penises on the wall pointing towards where the brothel is. Right, on the streets. So this, it's,
0: this is the product of Jack's medieval so history funny. degree. No, it's, not, it's not medieval. It's it's classical.
1: But any, it's anyway...
0: Penis. it's penis. Uh, yeah.
1: But honestly, there's like big triapic oh, signs. Dear. Anyway, the uh, what was my original point? Yeah, I, I love it because it's like there's that creativity that can go into it. They're all obviously sort of like properly pushing forward into a sort of the new world with like programmatic out-of-home abilities. And then also just like, I mean, it's great because... It still works for, you know, actually getting the job done, but also you can point at it and be like, look, Mum, look what I did. Yeah. And she's like, oh, did you make the ad? I'm like, no, no, I just put it there. Oh, right, Okay. okay.
0: I mean, we, we've touched upon out of home in previous episodes, and we obviously talked a little bit around it um, in our trends episode about it being such a, a powerful reach tool and how kind of technological advancements are really kind of accelerating the growth, perhaps, of mm. out of home. But what's interesting from a digital out of home perspective is that that advancement... Or the acceleration of that has been a lot quicker in other regions mm-hmm. versus Europe. So APAC, I think, are a lot more evolved oh, really? in that space versus Europe, which suggests that we may see more of it in in the coming years as we we adopt it sure. more and more.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't, to be honest with you, I I hadn't thought about it from sort of an APAC perspective. I've planned, I've planned some out of home in like. Germany and a bit in the States and stuff like that. But the thing is, it's actually really weird because in the States, it's way less premium. Like, it's proper, like, better call Saul lawyer vibes, like, yeah. you know, and kind of your local real estate agent or whatever.
2: Shameless. It's just, yeah, they, yeah, they don't mind. They have it anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Everywhere. Whereas, like, in the UK, like, if you're on, like, a massive premium like LED screen, it looks great. Some of what my favorite about, campaigns have been on that.
2: What about the difficulties I'm planning? planning out of home like with a lot of our digital platforms and a lot of the way that clients need to know the results and they need to know the measurement how are you guys doing that when we're looking at home
0: I mean I know that again with the kind of tech advancements of, of digital out of home measurement is is becoming much easier within that space
1: I'm quite spoiled because I work directly with like a few different agencies and like the good stuff out of home team. I'm giving a shout out because they are so good. Like they they make life a lot easier, and they like, you know, when I talk about like me being like nerdy or anaraki about like a channel or whatever, these guys are really like in take love it to with the that. Next level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think so, and they're always kind of like quite creative with how they approach stuff. I think out of home's biggest problem is the fact that it is so difficult to measure it. And also, when you run it through econometric attribution models, it rarely comes out as strongly as TV does. And one of its problems is this kind of, like, it doesn't know how to, I guess, articulate its its value. I mean, I think it probably needs a punchier industry body because it's, like, the big players like Deco and Clear Channel will, like, they'll be the ones you know, sort of pushing the issue rather than there being like a think box equivalent. There is, there's mm. outsmart, but I mean, they, you don't see nearly as much as you would do from them. Yeah, it's by far and away one of the most interesting things. And obviously with the London Underground, we have like some of the most sort of ubiquitous like ad inventory in Europe. I mean, genuinely, and I a lot of people won't agree with me, but I think the ads actually make London Underground better. Because if you were to take them away, if you go on, if it's, it's so really jarring away. when you go on a platform and you don't see an ad.
0: Yeah. It's kind of yeah, weird. True.
2: No, I completely agree. And I think to your point, Harry, you said about whether out-of-home is growing. It is. So out-of-home ad spend in the UK has returned to pre-COVID levels nice. in 2023. Uh, that was at 1.34 billion. And that's gradually set to rise uh, forecast to rise to 1.54 billion by 2028. So it is on the rise. I think you're right. All the technological advancements are driving it forward. Yeah. I think one thing that I wanted to add on to the that I think is kind of taking it to the next level, potentially in the in the measurement space and just making it a little bit more accessible for the clients who are like, oh, but I don't just want, you know, either reach or footfall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to do that, which is the AR components that some Tech providers are now able to incorporate into it. Sure. There was a one example we did with smart media technologies for William Hill, where they basically created an AR environment with one of the billboards that they had, mm-hmm. and people could make a virtual what are those things called jackpot jackpot oh, machine like a slot machine slot machine, and then they could win uh, a trip to Vegas. Oh, cool. oh, that's that's cool. So that's cool. So you can then measure the engagement as well as the standard out of home measurement that you might get from. Trusted partners, the good stuff. Yeah. But then add that in there as well. So I think that's another huge driver for Out of Home. And it's just kind of modernizing it. Because as you say, it's the oldest. Yeah. Channel, yeah. so this brings it forward a little bit, and it, yeah. I,
0: I believe it does get the recognition it it deserves yeah. uh, because also we we saw or reported on actually a lot of award submissions within out of home. Yes. Do you remember the interactive subway make your own one at the, yes. the Media Week Awards? Yeah, very, um, very, so very again good. that proves the point that you know interactive digital out of home is obviously being utilized. I think another point, just thinking about out of home in 2024 obviously consumers are a lot more climate conscious now as well as businesses and out of home is, has been proven to be a, a much more sustainable channel so again I think in our trends episode we talked about how out of home was reportedly six times more energy efficient mm, um, nice. than, than online advertising so I think that plays a part in how, how people can Plan out of home, I suppose, or why they would.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's a lot of work being done, especially by like I've spoken a lot to Deco recently about their sustainability push. Really, really strong.
2: Yeah. So what I'm getting is that we love our old dogs. Oh man, I love the old
1: dogs. We love I like the new dogs. dogs as I love well, the new you. dogs.
2: We love all the dogs, and <laughs> whether they have old tricks or new tricks, we like them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah?
2: Hear, hear. <laughs> hear, hear. <laughs> Okay. Aye. aye. <laughs> so in an, in another change to scheduled planning, Jack and the old media and on. Oh yeah, wow! Oh,
0: this is really disrupting like my status quo. today. <laughs> feels it's, a it's, it's disrupting my feng shui.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm now uh, the media's ad, agony uncle.
2: Ring 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 ring. Hello, media and on.
1: We have two today. See, it's really hard when you do a job that's not the one that you're used to. And also, I started reading this thinking that you'd pass me a note that you wanted me to be aware of, Bookie. And I was like, oh, my God, Bookie, I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, so the first uh, first, uh, one that we've got is, uh, and I'll I'll read it out, obviously, because that's the role that you play, Bookie, obviously. Smooth. I didn't. Right, is this, this is serious. Sorry, can we just preface
0: this? Can we just preface this by saying Jack is very hungover? So
1: <laughs> just a touch. I don't. I may or may not have come sailing into February with a, a couple of shandies last night. Not hungover. Thank you very much. Anyway, this is actually quite a sad one. I didn't get my dream job, which I put my heart and soul into applying for. I got to the final stage of the interview process, but in the end did not have enough experience to get the role. My issue is I can't get experience without doing the job, but I can't get the job without experience. I mean, I, I hear you on that. I'm finding it so frustrating and I'd already mentally checked out of my current role. So now I just don't know what to do with my career.
0: It's always demotivating when, yeah. you know, you, 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 you fail. But that failure is not a bad thing. It's just it. a, a learning curve. And it just goes to show it wasn't the right d- dream job. Your dream job. It will be... It's coming. It. It's coming. I think
2: what's for you won't miss you. This was part of the experience that you are now going to take for when the dream got job gets there. Yeah. Like you had to understand this process understand the interview process find out what they're looking for and there's to be honest there's maybe like little bits of that experience that you can get from other places you don't need to be in the job to get the whole experience to be able to get the job but if there's three four five things that you need you might be able to do one of those things in a current role you might be able to do another one of those things just through another part of your life I think a lot of my experience that I put into getting a, dr- a job and a role has actually come from like just my hobbies and yeah. other things that I've done. So all of a sudden they I, I can plan events because I took forty five people to Prague on a <laughs> on a rugby tour. But now actually I'm a I'm an event planner.
1: That sounds unreal, by the way. It
2: was crazy. <laughs> but I've done that. So I can do that. And now that is experience. So I think yeah. you be disheartened, feel I, your I mean, feelings, but I, then you can think... come out of that.
1: I think like the thing with this is like, and obviously we don't know kind of how specialized this job is, but presumably it sounds like there's a bit of specialty in there. If you've asked for feedback, you, you should well, you should ask for feedback from the people who interviewed you to understand like what bits you need to kind of dial up, and don't be afraid to to say to them if you you know if you had a good interview with them, just say well, look, th- this is something I really want to move into how would you recommend that I get some experience? Because likelihood is there will be, and I know I always bang on about it, there might be books you can read, there might be videos online that you can watch that will upskill you. I mean, you could even like pay for yourself to do a course or something like that. No, no, that's not an option for everyone but like there are loads of learning resources and it's like a classic kind of situation where like there's just opportunities to kind of upskill yourself. So I mean try not to get yourself too down in the dumps about it though because like that does suck but you got to get back on the horse.
0: Yeah it was all a learning and the the experience Mm. itself was a learning. What's the next one Jack?
1: This one's a little bit less serious which is good because the other one I was like that was quite intense. Two, my whole team are doing dry January together. It started off pretty well, but by the second Friday of the year, I decided I needed a Bev. I went to the pub around the corner from the office and saw that two guys in my team were also in there. They didn't see me and now I don't know whether to rat them out. So instead of ratting them out, you've just blown it wide open on uh, on the media industry's industry's favourite podcast. Um, (laughs) um, Not for long, if we continue with this lack of professionalism. Anyway, um, they didn't see me and now I don't know whether to rat them out. We have a forfeit where whoever breaks has to pay for a night out in February. I could make them have to pay, which would save me money. But at the end of the day, I broke too. They just don't know that.
0: I think this all boils down to how much of an honest person you are.
1: Mate, snitches get stitches. That is the way. I'd have ratted go. them
0: out and not had a drink. I'd have been like, yo,
2: yo, I'm telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can't rat people out. I mean it's it is a bit Oh, annoyed, well,
0: I mean, it can be your little secret. You
2: can <laughs> let them know that you know. How about they pay for your night that night? That's what you should have done. You know, oh, like, so look, you're, you're, I'm, blackmail. Yeah, I'm not, I won't tell anyone, uh, but you guys are like, buying my drinks tonight. That's the
0: default <laughs> advice we give. Just blackmail people. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sure. great Black idea. Blackmail
1: does come up a lot on Love this it. Podcast, yes,
0: so I yeah. love a bit of blackmail. What I'm does love that say love. about us guys? The, the corrupt gorgeous, advertising
1: We're classic media people, just corrupted and rotten from the core. Nice. Well, you're this just staring subject. at me as though I insulted you personally. No, have, no. We, sol- have we solved that one? I, well, right. So you're, you're saying rat them out. No, you're saying blackmail them. Uh, you're saying rat them out.
2: I, I said thing. rat them out and then I changed to blackmail. I'm not sure I said
0: that, but yeah, whatever.
1: I think I think let them know that you saw them and just enjoy taking the moral high ground. Here, hear. <laughs> what a bunch of pricks we are.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, That wraps up this week's Media Week podcast. Thank you for listening and please remember to like and subscribe and if you would like to have any further information, it is available in the show notes. See you next week.
2: Let's go.